You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. Hey, so uh, it's John Doyle here, and we have the opportunity to have a conversation with Rich Bradford. And Rich is the author of To My Unborn Child, a love letter from Fred Hampton, which he wrote and he performs in with, uh, you know, around the area, around the region, and ultimately around the country is, is our great hope. And we just uh, finished watching uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, and uh, Rich and I are going to spend some time talking about that. Rich, how you doing tonight? Oh, I'm I'm doing good. I'm I'm kind of kind of fired up and inspired by uh, by seeing the Chairman Fred on the on the on the television screen tonight. So yeah, you know the blood is flowing. The, the revolutionary blood is flowing. So, let, Rich, let's start right with um, first and foremost. Like, what do you think of the film itself? Um, the film itself, uh, I thought it was very insightful, um, uh, partway on the life of, of Fred Hampton. Um, I could tell it was uh, more so of a Hollywood entertainment type film, which was cool. It was nice. Um, it was nice to still see them get some of his um, really beautiful speeches in that, uh, that, that, that inspired the people and and um, I think the uh, the brother, the actor, um, what is his name? My brain is, yeah, yeah. I think he, um, I think he did a great job, you know, um, um, playing Fred Hampton. I think there were some really great camera shots, also, especially uh, if you want to be technical about it. I loved some of the great camera shots, and uh, especially the um, the intro of um, of O'Neill himself, not. Um, not off the recording, but when he uh, first enter, am I am I am I am I about to get some spoilers? Can I get spoilers? No. no. We're, yeah, we we're already in the spoiler section, so we're good. Okay, okay. When he uh, when he enters the bar and how they have um, a shot of his um, of his coattails, kind of like uh, flapping in the wind as he um, as he walks into the bar, you know. Yeah. And um and and that's where where the whole journey begins. So that was uh. That was pretty cool. I mean, I really enjoyed it. You know, there was other things I wish I would have, uh, they, they would have put in it, but I, I really enjoyed it. I, I loved it. it was pretty good. Yeah. So, so we were talking and we liked the film a lot and, you know, people want to listen to the full podcast, but we struggled with the pacing in some places. So like, mm. it felt like in the middle, it slowed down a bit. Um, and, uh, so that was something that we, that we both, Drusile struggled with it more than I did. But, but I have mm -hmm. to say that, you know, one of the things I really thought was important was that we did get to sort of see and hear Fred Hampton um, mm. in all of his glory, right? Like we got yeah, to hear those yeah. words and mm. we got to hear, um, we got to watch him sort of lay out those speeches in all those interesting environments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. What do you think about the portrayal of Hampton across the board? Like, what things really stuck out to you? What mattered? Oh, man, I, I love the portrayal of Hampton. I, I love the fact that um, one of my, I think one of my favorite scenes, actually, in, in his portrayal was um, was with him and Deborah Johnson. Um, that relationship with Scrapped is so beautiful. Like, um, like and um, as you know, as in, like, when um, writing... Um, um, love letters, um, uh, love letters from Fred Hampton to my unborn child. Um, you know, I, I, I was always curious about that relationship and, um, and, and, you know, how it, how it grew and, 
and everything like that over over a short over a short time span actually you know so that that was beautiful to see that on screen and and see how they interacted with um with one another um and uh i, I wish and, and i know this was more about um hampton and uh and o'neill's um relationship i wish there i wish there was moments that we could have seen a young fred hampton when he was like protesting out in Maywood about the pools and all that stuff, you know. But um, for the most part, I thought the portrayal was uh, pretty dope. And if you want to be technical about the vocal, the vocal play, it was like it was beautiful. It was good. Um, yeah, I thought he nailed Fred's like voice cadence and all of that mm-hmm. so well. I did. I mm-hmm. always, you know, one of the things that I I wonder about, and this is interesting because when you're on, you're uh, you're older than Fred Hampton too, and you perform Fred Hampton, right? And mm-hmm, I felt mm-hmm. like Kaluuya, um, in some ways, looked too much older than the rest of the gang he was with. I thought his That's portrayal true. was great, mm-hmm. but he, but I didn't mm-hmm. get that sense of the thing that you're just mm-hmm. talking about, where like he he's only 21, right? When the yeah, story's taking yeah. place, when you're on stage mm-hmm. alone and you're older than that, you can create that sense of like I'm a I'm a spirit from beyond telling the story, mm-hmm. you know. But for this in the live real world. I was I felt a little bit like he was older than I wanted him to be um, mm. because I love the fact that we can say to young people, look, look what you could have done or can be doing at 21. And so many of the other characters were young uh, around mm. him. But but still, mm. that doesn't that doesn't lessen uh, Kaluye's performances, which I thought was spectacular. Yeah. And the impact that it had also like, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, I, t- I totally felt that. Like I felt like he was the the oldest out of the group, except except for sometimes when he was standing next to uh, Bobby Rush, which right. uh, that's 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 one thing I did wish about the 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 play. I mean, not the play, but the movie. Um, like if you're gonna have Bobby Rush in there, you got to make him a little bit more flushed out because that was like his main man, you you, you know. So right. um, so uh, it was like I was waiting for a little bit more from Bobby Rush, like a little bit more like of his character to come to come on the screen a little bit more, but, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because Bobby Rush is like, if, if we say, if we're saying that, um, O'Neill is Judas, Bobby Rush is Peter. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, Mm -hmm. like, and when we, and I I agree with you about that. And Rush is such an interesting character. Um, Mm. so yeah. What, what, um, how about the portrayal of the Panthers? What do you think about the portrayal of the Panthers as a whole? Um, I love that they really hit on some uh, a lot of their programs. They they really focus on that more so than like um, the I guess what people will call um, some people would try to call the defiance uh, uh, towards the law, mm-hmm. where you see more so like the in this movie you see more so about um, Panther love, like reaching out right. and connecting and 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 uh, building a, a unified force against. Um, against oppression, against uh, white supremacy. Uh, I love the um, uh, the scenes of, like, uh, the Panthers out there passing out Panther papers and, and Fred, you know, at the head of that. I love the Panthers going out recruiting. I, mm-hmm. I, I love that they, that, they, that they displayed that. And, um, and that it didn't come off as, like, an, and like, like a shoot them out, bang, bang, all throughout, you know, like sensationalism, like Hollywood's is sensationalized, like shoot 'em up type type film. Right. It, it came when it was necessary, you know, when it's when when it was absolutely necessary. So I love the 
the portrayal of the the education of the Panthers also. Like, I, I'm glad that they took a moment on that to like talk about you know educating each other and learning the ten point systems. Um, right. Uh, within the system, so I love that, and I I don't think it was uh rushed. I think some of the clips that they used also of uh, the live clips uh, actually helped with it too. Um, yeah. Hearing some of the chants and the, and the uh, call and responses that was that was so moving to hear that that was pretty dope. And I think one of my um, one of my favorite favorite scenes <laughs> because you know we just had this um, this whole uh, issue with the Confederate flag, right. and um, I remember you and I when, when we would talk when we were writing. Um, when I was writing um, um, to my unborn child, and we would uh, talk about um, about the the gang that he recruited that had um, you know um, that would wear Confederate flags, how he brought right. them over to that side, you know, and it wasn't about the Confederate flag; it was about uniting underneath you know underneath um, one working class, one proletariat, you know what I'm saying? So I love that they put that scene in there where everybody um, uh, was, was first stuck on the flag, but then they start in, in the heritage and the symbolism in the scene, but then they got down to the, you know, to the bare root, to the root of the problem. So that was, um, that was lovely. That was beautiful. Yeah. I love, I loved actually the very beginning of the film. I loved a lot where we got to see sort of video of well, film. It's really mm-hmm. film, not video of like the, yeah. of the Panther ambulance service. And, and, yeah. and images of breakfast for children mm-hmm. what you know this this like societal misperception of what the panthers were was mm-hmm. dealt with very quickly with really interesting video or film mm-hmm. right at the beginning of, of the movie and i love that and i also agree mm-hmm. with you that I, I thought both of the scenes where he went to do recruiting and it's interesting he doesn't go to the stone rangers right because that would have knocked the story right off track right yeah so- i was wondering about that yeah right true yeah, so, that's, that's, so that's you, what I thought about also. Yeah, if people want to know about the Stone Rangers, they have to come see your play. But um, if <laughs> uh, you know, if if they're not going to do that, then um, you know, they at least we saw a, a group who was a, a you know we saw a black group that mm. was in opposition mm. that came around, mm. and we watched Hampton do his work. But th- that moment in that Confederate flag space, whatever you want to call that mm. meeting hall. I thought that was such so pertinent to today, man. Like mm-hmm. every one of those freaking Trump folks down there marching on uh, the Capitol will today, I think, would struggle to listen to Hampton and the way those folks yeah. in that room. Yeah, yep, that's true. And and, uh, and speaking of that, that that gang, that gang, the the leader of that gang was actually a good friend of mine, Chris Davis. He, he played that role. And I was like, oh, I see my guy up there. That, that was pretty cool <laughs> to see him, you know, playing playing that role. And he did a great job. It was it was nice. It was, it was, yeah, it was, I, it was I thought really that good. scene was really good. It was, like, appropriately tense and dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the this sense of order and structure in the organizations that these – you know, these aren't a group of wild people. They're people who have structure. They just have different philosophies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I loved when the after I, mean, I didn't love that because the, the explosion of the Panther headquarters is devastating. But I mean, that yeah. scene was something else. Um, yeah. But the the uh, the idea that those guys then come back and they give them cash so that they can rebuild and they, they provide mm-hmm. them with their bodies to to do the building i think that's so 
so honest to what Hampton was trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was like, man, you see, it's it's nice to see like um, point blank and clear, like what a system is scared of, and, and to see Martin Sheen. <laughs> oh, oh God, Martin Sheen! I don't know. How to, uh, but anyway, to see Martin Sheen, <laughs> um talk about what it is that, that that the system is actually scared of a black messiah you know raising up and unifying the people and i think that um that speech that that little monologue or that dialogue that he was giving back and forth with the fbi agent saying like how would you how, how are you going to feel when your daughter right. brings home a black man and that's what they was that's what they're scared of they, they're scared of that that crossing that barrier that um that unifying that you know they don't want that and 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 it was so clear in that in that dialogue right there like even throughout the movies though you know and also another part i thought was amazing what was pretty kind of shocking to me was the emmett till part actually like i I agree i thought of you immediately (laughs) when i saw that man I, I, i was like what so like uh so i mean as you know like i i have that in the play right and I kind of uh, made up, uh, well, not made up, but I kind of thought about how it must have felt for Fred um, when he heard about Emmett Till getting killed, right, getting murdered. Um, that story isn't anywhere. It's not found on the a, on a interweb right. or anything like that. So it was something that came from, like, out of my imagination. Now, you know, his mom did babysit um um, Emmett Till, and that's that's in the play also. But you know, it, it was kind of weird and kind of nice also to see, and kind of vindicating to see also. Like, um, because in the play, um, um, to to my unborn child, love love letters from Fred Hampton, he also um has this idea of like, uh, this is what set him on that path for protection. Like he wanted to protect Emmett Till, and right. and in that he decided to protect, you know, all black people, all you know, people who were um, who were um, who needed protecting basically. So um, so to see that actually being said in the movie, I was kind of like, what? That's uh, that's kind of dope. They're like, did somebody steal a page on my script? But nah. <laughs> nah, it was, well, man, uh, I, I, I gotta be honest. I would not be surprised if these people heard about your play or saw something <laughs> on uh, YouTube because there were several times when I felt like they they were speaking things that that you had made important in the text of of your play. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that sequence after the prison when he's you know the the people's beat that you use so wonderfully in the play as sort of this underlying nature Um, to watch that big group of folks, right? Like Mm -hmm. chanting and calling out the people's beat was really lovely. Uh, Really good. Um, uh, The other thing I want to ask about is about Panther violence. How did you think they handled the violence the Panthers did versus the violence the police did from your experience with sort of these, this story? To be uh to be honest, I think it was well done. Like especially the the scene with uh with the sister shooting the rifle out the window. Right. And and with the uh with the with the brother when he got hit, when he got um hit in the shoulder. Uh one thing uh Fred said even in one of his speeches was like we don't we you know, we're not reactionary. You know what I mean? And, and we're gonna protect our we're gonna protect our um 
our homes. By all means necessary, we're gonna protect our home. So basically when the when the when the pig starts shooting at them first, you know, they fired back. So I don't I think it was this uh, displayed with more so like about self defense than in the nature of like we're just gonna go and and murder um these right. pigs. I was a little bit um I got a little bit I don't know if the word confused is right, but when um I can't remember his name. Um the one he, he wanted to find out about his friend. The and, Palmer guy, yeah. The Palmer yeah, Palmer. When Palmer wanted to find out find out about his friend and um and the cops were um where I was chasing him down. I, I maybe I maybe I blinked my eyes or something like that. But I was I was trying to figure out how did we get to that scene so fast. And I guess it was, it's from the phone call that the that the guy made. And right. And then suddenly we're in this shootout with the with the police. It kind of it kind of jumped like kind of right. quick for me to that. So it I don't know what they were trying to do with that scene because it's it, it made it seem. Um, I don't know, kind of like, like he had this, um, I don't know, like, like, like he went on this, this murderous streak. And I'm like, I don't think he would, I, I just don't think that he would do that. Maybe he probably would have been caught in a situation where, um, where the police probably came up on him at the wrong time or something like that. That would have been nice to see, you know, right. but it was just, I guess the cutting of the film before, for that to happen, it just seemed like it went straight from like, the, the the brandishing of the gun falling on the ground to like now there's this shootout with him and the police you know what I mean and he just uh, point blank shoot the cop in the head you know what I mean so yeah it's just that that was a little bit where where for me just about you know yeah but, that was I, one of my concerns yeah I mean one of my mm-hmm. concerns was definitely I thought that we didn't see sufficient and maybe this is just my prejudice but my, sufficient um, violence from the police indiscriminately mm-hmm. against Panthers. Right. So sure, we heard sure. about Hampton getting pulled over and getting parking tickets, but we didn't see the mm-hmm. ugliness of that. You know, we yeah, didn't see the yeah. ugliness of the arrest, like the, mm-hmm. and, and though the police were doing bad, they're, they are doing bad things, but they were yeah. doing bad things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I don't want to cut them slack so that it appears like we should feel some sympathy for mm-hmm. for the oppressor you know and yeah. i don't i don't want to do that um yeah so true. yeah so i that same scene that same scene got me a little bit i thought that shootout scene was pretty intense and interesting and then when they bring in the gas can i mean it's heartbreaking uh, uh yeah it is it is and i thought about your play again where you know you do that sequence where it talks about the sort of damage and destruction to the breakfast or children's stuff which is part of the story you're telling, right? Like it's mm-hmm. part of your invention um, mm-hmm. to sort of mm-hmm. encapsulate that whole experience and how that just becomes important that we see fire used to destroy, um, uh, you know, this beautiful thing the Panthers are trying to build. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was kind of, kind of heartbreaking to watch that. Like, and, you know, like even in the, actually in the end, right. I thought. Wolf. Yeah. The end was going to be, I mean, not that it wasn't hard, but they fired 99 shots into that house. Like, yeah. 99 shots into that house. Like, and I don't know whether it's about timing or, like, whatever, but 
and and then the stories about um about how uh people were being brought out bloody and like thrown into uh, refrigerators and stuff like that it was just it was a horrific scene you know and you know i yeah with the i i, I think i i think i kind of agree with you i think that the film did kind of let the police violence off a, a little bit a little bit easy because um because they were doing some real like messed up ish like <laughs> Right, like bloody, brutal ish. You know, especially that night. That night, man. It's yeah. It was um, it was uh, where it was, it was, it was, it was bad, really bad. Yeah. I thought the Mark Clark thing did a. I mean, I thought. I mean, it, it's horrible, right? And I, I have to tell you, I was really mm-hmm. emotionally impacted by that from the moment when I called it with. When I was talking to Josiah. I talked about it like the Last Supper. I feel like mm-hmm. when when after after the um. Uh, and like we're full blown spoilers here, folks. So we're just laying it out. After the the sort of fake, real FBI guy, whatever that guy was, gives mm-hmm. um, uh, O'Neill the the sleeping medicine. From there mm-hmm. to the end, I was really in, engaged in a way because I know what's coming, and yeah. I don't I don't want to see it. But you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I don't want this yeah. to happen, and I know it has to. And um, that moment where they're all together having the meal. And, you know, uh, uh, Stanfield so goes up, up and, and his mm-hmm. tears are coming down his face. I thought that was like rock solid, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, heartbreaking. And, and then te- when Mark Clark gets introduced, it's one of those moments where if you know the story, like that's like a slap in the face when he's like, hey, I'm Mark Clark, I'm here visiting. I'm like, oh, God, I know what's going to happen mm-hmm. to you, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. You know, so I thought that sequence was really good. And. I said to Josiah too, I thought this movie was like all Easter eggs for me. Um, some people yeah. are learning, but since I know stuff, I felt like I kept saying like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, that's cool. You? Yeah, I felt myself saying like some of the lines as they were happening. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. I know this line. I know all these <laughs> words right now. And I'm actually saying like some of the words. I'm like, oh, you know, so this quoting like Fred Hampton like right. as Fred Hampton is quoting himself. I mean, <laughs> you know, as Fred Hampton's on the screen, so yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was Easter eggs for me as well. Uh, it was, uh, um, it was seeing the funeral footage blew me away too. That really, at the very end, when after the yeah. death, and they, that was a lot for me, um, yeah. in that setting. That, that, that really was emotionally pretty powerful. Um, how do you yeah. think the speech is played? Like, do you think we got the message clearly? Like, you know, this, you know, Hampton's message, like the back of your hand, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you hear the message clearly? Are there things that you really are happy that you heard? Things that you wish you'd heard? Yeah, one one thing, one speech that I that I did, I was like, oh man, I would, I, I think they sliced and diced this speech, right? The one when he's talking about Mozambique and right. uh, the brothers with the daishikis, uh, uh, it's at the beginning, right? Yep, right. When like, he's at the college. Yo, yeah, and I'm like, nah. I, I mean, I I still love the performance of the speech, but you know, like it, they kind of like, um, they kind of like, to me, took away what that speech meant, and I think they would have kept it whole, especially for like what it was at the beginning, because that's more of a recruitment speech. What he was saying, like like right. in in that in that speech, you know, like telling people like, you know, if you really want, um 
um, liberation and, and freedom, what you need to do is do this. Like the, like the brothers and sisters over in Angolia, you need to get some bandoliers, you need to get some AK-47s, you need to get this. But nah, y'all don't want to get that African eyes because then, because after they put on whatever they put on, then they got to put on, you know, some 45s, this, that, you know. So like, and then, and, and so like to hear them only like, take a few lines from that and then mix it with a couple of other things. I was like, it kind of took away from the recruitment, but it was, it still sound, it still sound uh, really, really amazing. Like I, I thought, I thought that was a good piece. And, and I love how they had the brother get up and walk out with the daishiki on. No, that was and, great. And it was funny. It's like, I always think about that because whatever we would do um, through the show, through the play, there's always somebody there with a daishiki on. And I get to that speech. And I'm like, they're going to hate me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought, I thought the, um, the speeches were uh, were pretty good, but my favorite speech um, was the one when he first when he, when he came back out of the one you was uh, touching on earlier um, with the drones because that's that's like man you, you feel that spirit in there and the, and the and the drums like that energy just passing passing all all through that room and it was um, you know it, it, that was good directing because it sucks you right it sucks you right in and then the creepy thing is having that white fbi informant just sticking out like a like like a sore thumb right waving it, it turned it almost like creepy stalker horror movie like you know like the devil was in the building you know so right, right, right. i thought i thought that was um i thought that was beautiful i think that that was probably um one of my favorite mo- moments when it comes to his um to his speeches and, and i and i got the me- i got I got the message for for the most part, but I think um, I think I think sometimes um, there was a speech in there that I really wanted to hear, and I'm and I'm curious as why they didn't put it in there. Um, I think they did only a part of it when he said we're going to fight fire with fire, but right. uh, you know, and there's like that whole speech, man. It's like you know, kind of like to me, to me, that's like the the heartbeat of his uh, of his philosophical view, yeah. his revolutionary philosophical view of of unity and uh, bringing the rainbow coalition together. You know, to um to fight against one oppressor. You know, so you know. But other than that, I, I love the speeches. I love the energy that was brought to it too. Like it was um it was amazing. Yeah, one of the things I was just really glad to hear at the very end when they finally showed us Hampton doing his own stuff is that he, they let him say the word proletariat, right? Like, I didn't mm-hmm. hear the word proletariat <laughs> during the film. And yeah, right? Right? Um, the film was definitely about, they used the language of oppressor and oppressed, right? But they mm-hmm. didn't use the, they didn't land the idea of capitalism versus anti-capitalism. They mentioned mm-hmm. socialism in there, but that, that message was pulled back a little bit. Um, and I don't know mm. what it was. It got slipped in, in there. Of. It did. It was mm-hmm. present. And hearing the word proletariat at the end made me feel like, all right, mm. so I feel safe. Mm. Like people who've watched this film, they've got the language they need now to understand the conversation that Hampton was really having with his culture at the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they only used working class one time. And I think that's when they went to the, uh, when they went to right. uh, the guys at the Confederate, um, down there, right, with so the, I think uh, they're the young lords. I think they were the young lords. The young lords, yeah. We went to go see the young lords. So, 
Yeah, yeah, it was um yeah, I think they they, they shot they, they probably did shot I think they shot away a little bit from the um from the full blown socialism aspect of it, but you know they showed us they yeah. showed us socialism, right? Uh yeah. You know, but yeah, the, the other thing I wonder too is, you know, I um it's funny because I think about this when we do the play and the same thing when we do the Marx and Soho play by Howard Zinn is, is, you know, we always are trying to reach the people who are like those guys standing in front of a Confederate flag or like mm-hmm. the, the Puerto Rican gangs whose name I'm not going to remember right now um, that who like we're reaching out to other people who aren't like us to try and bring them into mm-hmm. the fold and get them mm-hmm. to think about what the revolution can really do. And mm. um, and it's interesting to me because uh, I'm not sure that uh, the other side today can watch this film without like with with an open mind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, sure. and, I, and I wish they could. Like, I want people to listen to what Hampton says instead of what the label is. And, and maybe that's why you pull out words like proletariat and socialism right. from the bulk of the yeah. film so you can yeah. keep them engaged yeah because this 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 is i think now we we kind of like turn those into like boogeyman words right. you know what i mean and it's like it's kind of like what, we, what i say in a play like man you love socialism and you don't even know it and you start giving out giving out examples of like you know socialism like you care for your fellow man you know you 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 want unity you want peace you want uh, equality, opportunity, and stuff, and all that is like kind of it's embedded in that idea. But you know, as soon as you put that label on it, because I think people equate like <laughs> capitalism as freedom and socialism as, as like right. you know, <laughs> as like you know, like like uh, oppression or something. And I'm like, you know, no, that's not that's 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 not it. So yeah, right. So yeah, I gotta say. What do you think about how they treated O'Neill and and like the way that it all plays out in the story, not necessarily the truth of like what they talk about at the end, but like how they treated that character? I mean, I know how you feel about that guy. So what what do you, what do you think about that? How'd that work for you? Uh, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, I don't want to be sympathetic to O'Neill, right? <laughs> and that's just that's just like the the. Uh, the the selfish part of me that's like man you 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 killed the person that I love like I I, I don't even I, I don't even know Fred but I know Fred and I'm like you killed like somebody that was like this um, shining light in, in the revolution but um, you know uh, I think the the writing of O'Neill I was always curious about his um, like what would make a man do this right because right. when i um when i re- when i read about i didn't put him really in the play that much because i didn't want the play to be about him you know what i mean right so when it when, when but when i read about him, i'm like damn this has got to be the most rat selfish person in the world you know like <laughs> you want to save your own but for like you know to destroy a whole revolution and i think they if I take away like my bias or whatever, I think they painted painted him pretty well as a as a towards the end, especially um, as a person that's um, um, conf- not conflicted, but 
but feeling the the pressure of what he's doing in that moment, I think that that's shown through a lot. And on a on on the top end, you know, you see the greed, and you see like you know the um the self serving nature of O'Neill, you right. know, in in those moments at the top. So I thought that was uh really good. But I think what really really wrapped it up was the was the clip they showed at the end from um. Uh, uh, the real video of O'Neill, the way he right. was like so delusional, like uh, he wasn't even he wasn't even in touch with reality, you know. And you know what he was, um, what he was uh, talking about. He painted a picture of himself that was totally different than what reality was, you know. Like uh, right. Stephanie and I, we, we were watching it together. She was like, "Oh, he's just throwing up defense mechanisms right now," you know. So, um, I think his character. Uh, I I enjoyed it, but there was a part of me that was like, um, I wish, uh, I don't know, I just I just felt as though I didn't, <laughs> and maybe it's just my own bias. Like I said, I just felt as though I didn't hate him enough, you know? Right, so, right. So so you know, I I I, I did, there there was something more that that could have probably been done to make me feel like. Cause, cause it just seems like he's just this bumbling guy that got in trouble, and now he's just trying to get out of trouble. And I'm like, dude, you like, like, dude, you really messed some ish up, yo. Like, <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah. I, you know, one of the yeah. things, and I, I, you know, for me, and and I thought the end of the that scene that I'm calling the Last Supper scene really hammered it home. Was mm-hmm. you know, O'Neill was out for himself. And mm-hmm. Hampton was out for everybody else. So Hampton says, five years is not a long time. Here's the money you want me to run away with. Build a mm-hmm. clinic, right? Like mm-hmm. Hampton's choice is the people first. And O'Neill's first is, uh, choice is me first. Yep. And, and I don't know if I got enough of that to see that difference until that mm-hmm. end piece. Because I think that's a great thing for people to learn about. Like to think about that contrast. And yeah. The guy who played the FBI agent, um, I thought that was a pretty good betrayal of a pretty awful problematic yes. dude. Yes, he always plays those roles too. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, no, I, yeah. When he's bringing I, I him out it. to dinner, like when he's bringing him out to dinner, or he's in his home, like those, it's, I'm so uncomfortable with that shit. Like I just, I mean, mm. you know, mm. I mean, really. It bothers yeah. bothers me a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah but you know, yeah. to know that O'Neill, you know, commits suicide essentially the night after that delusional interview mm-hmm. is is really intense. Like that's pretty intense. Uh, yeah, so. it is. It is. You know, so it's 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 like uh, your inner conscience. No, it, it just knows. You, you you can try to fool anybody else on the outside, but but you know on the inside, like what was right. done. And I think if more of that was kind of like shown uh, a little bit more, uh, you know, I, I think uh, that that uh, when he was um, at the Last Supper, the the, right. the senior later in the Last Supper, I think that would have hit me a little bit harder. Even though it did hit me, but. But just to see the dynamic of him realizing like what it is he's really messing up, and I started to get that at first, and I thought they were going that way, 
when Fred got out of jail and he was right. uh, doing a monologue to the people's beat and like you get to see O'Neill kind of like catching a rhythm and right. then you see like uh, and I thought that was pretty tense because I wanted to see like what was going to happen with this FBI agent there in the building with O'Neill and O'Neill is just like feeling this rhythm like is there going to be a conflict a standoff is O'Neill going to say like yo I just can't do this this is not what we're going to do you you know so it was like I don't know so yeah it was like no I wanted to see that pull a little bit more on on O'Neill a little bit yeah, that was it. and it definitely was O'Neill's story. I mean, Hampton had plenty of time. I, I, I was worried we were going to lose too much Hampton, and we didn't. But it was mm-hmm. definitely O'Neill's story. They were telling us that sort of that angle from the the, the perspective of the the snitch or whatever the you know, right. and, and, and his problem. It definitely it definitely came from that angle. So oh, rat. Uh, rat, right, rat. Uh, um, yeah, you know, it's interesting to me that I I think that. I want to say, Rich, I think this film's like really important. It's not the best mm-hmm. movie I've ever seen, right? And there's some other mm-hmm. things that I've seen this year, especially sort of in the range of black cinema that I think might even be stronger as movies, although I don't know mm-hmm. if we're going to beat performances necessarily, but I'm thinking about like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom on Netflix. Oh, like, my God, yeah. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. like, there's some, there's some performances we've seen uh, in the past year, year and a half that are unbelievable. But I feel like this mm. film's so important, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm glad to agree with you on that because my rainy black bottom, like the performances in that was just like, and the directing in that was just like amazing, you know. Right. But I, I think, I think that this film is probably one of the most necessary films of the year so far, you know. Right. Yeah. 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 So all right, yeah, cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Any other things you thought about when you watched the film? Anything to, uh, you want to touch on? Um, no, I mean, well, the film was just, you know, like, to hear Fred's words was just moving. And, like, right. one word that I did love that they used was revolutionary love, even though they yeah. used it, like, once or twice. Because every time I think of Fred, I always think about revolutionary love, like, all the time. And when people ask me, like, who was Fred and how do you think of Fred? I always think like, yo, Fred was love. He was revolutionary love. Like yeah. Black Panther was revolutionary love. So that was um, pretty moving to to hear that language. It was uh, it was beautiful. It was dope. And 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 oh man, and and the lady that played um, Deborah Johnson, <sighs> yes, uh, I, she was uh, she was amazing, especially in that moment with her poetry. It was. Um, it was oh, no, that was great. It was that was I, yeah. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it was good to see that intimacy in their relationship and like hear the poem. The, I have to tell you that you know at the end when the when they go in and they you know they do the actual assassination moment, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was freaking hard to watch. Yeah, you know? yeah. Right. Uh, at, right. And I thought that they did a nice job with like Deborah in the foreground and. Uh, and him in the background. And, you know, I, I always feel like when I think about the play and I see that you perform that moment because you're in that moment, you've transformed into Deborah Johnson. So you're doing, you're, you're speaking through her voice so that the story can get told about what happens mm-hmm. to Fred and to see it mm-hmm. played out in that sort of third person position 
Yeah, it mm. was really startling for me that he's good mm. in dead down line, which you know is in the mix in the play is just too much. Yeah, it is, and like that decision that she makes. Like we remember, we used to always during rehearsal talk about her making the decision to leave the room. Right. That, right. To see that, like right there on the screen, like how she made the decision finally, like like to leave the room, like to leave right. him there on the bed. That's so hard. That's like really, really hard, you know. And and it couldn't happen without that intimacy in the, in the, and you know. Throughout the play, I mean, throughout the movie, it was like yeah. really, really uh, hard to watch. Yeah, I, I, yeah. that really, and just to know, like when we do it in the play, it's this big arcing sort of like beautiful and horrible journey that she takes. But here, we got that opportunity to sort of see her make the choice and then like hear mm-hmm. the consequence with no internal monologue to move mm-hmm. us through it. And so the slap, like, she leaves him to be murdered, right? Un, unwitnessed, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, that's a lot. It was, it was a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So overall, like, I'm, you know, I'm really glad we, uh, I, I had this time to talk to you about the movie. Can, can you tell folks who might be listening to this uh, if there's a way for them to find the play or get a hold of the play or see the play or something like that? Um, oh yeah, definitely. They can. Um, yeah, they can. Uh, go. Uh, we're online. Um, um, to my unborn child. Um, love letters from Fred Hampton. Um, and uh, and we'll you know, link we that a, in the show notes. So I'll put that in the show notes underneath us. So if people want to go, they can just click the link. Mm-hmm. So you know, if if you want to. Uh, check out the show, bring the show to your area, your theater, your school, or, or wherever it may be. Um, just uh, hit, hit me up with the info, hit us up with the info, and you know, we'll bring that revolutionary load there. Um, uh, it should be, it's gonna uh, run out in Bloomsburg, um, at Bloomsburg Theater and Bloomsburg College, um, in uh, next year, uh, at the end of January. Uh, from January 29th to February 6th. So, uh, so people in the Bloomsburg area, we're talking to you. You know, she um, come out and get some uh, revolutionary love. So, yeah, we we, we just kind of want to, you know, we don't want it to stop after everybody see the movie and stuff like that. Like the, you know, just like the play, the movie should be like a commissioning or like, you know, to spark the fire on these people to not just talk about Fred Hampton, but to talk about the ideas of Fred Hampton. So we kind of want to keep that flowing and keep that going and, and, uh, and keep having these discussions and stuff like that, you know, so, you know, bring that Fred Hampton love to your, to your area or, you know, just, just, you know, talk. That's what it's about talking. So, yeah. Cool. Very cool. So, Rich, thanks so much for taking this time on the Rack and Focus podcast to talk about Judas and the Black Messiah. And uh, I think we both agree it's like a hugely important film. So thanks so much for listening to this uh, bonus edition of Rack and Focus podcast. Rich, thanks so much for talking with us. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me, man. You know. And we'll do it again. uh, (laughs) uh, Next time we'll try and sit in the same room instead of being COVID separated. (laughs) Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. Thanks for listening to the Racking Focus podcast.